Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Be praying about what our, our next step is because it also involves our, our small groups. But I'm going to do a, a series on the other side of Easter. We have Easter coming up, uh, and I'm going to talk about hope. But on the other side of that, we're going to try and model in our small groups seven stories of hope, how to, how to share your faith with others just by talking about hope. And I'm going to preach on hope on Easter Sunday. Um, do want to encourage you to be sure and be here the Sunday before Easter also because... Uh, we're going to have kind of like a dedication or celebration uh, Sunday for this membership ID series. It'll be a little bit more uh, creative, I guess, a little bit different aspects of things going on instead of just a sermon. Uh, and I think it'll be some uh, some stuff that you will not want to uh, to miss uh, on that day. Uh, the topics that we've been in so far in in this series, uh, we've talked about a, a functioning church member, a unifying church member, an unselfish church member. Uh, today we're going to talk about being a praying church member. Uh, next week, a nurturing church member, and that might sound like a kind of a strange topic. If you're reading along in the book, it primarily talks about how we need to uh, kind of nurture our, our own family and our children uh, toward uh, the, the church. But I'm going to go a little bit deeper in that next week. We do need to do that, but I think we need to nurture more than, than just our family uh, also. And then we're going to talk about uh, being a passionate uh, church member. Um, Paul wrote letters to local churches. And we need to not lose sight of that because the, the local church is still important. And it's important in God's economy. And uh, I think that's evidence just by what he wrote uh, in the New Testament. Uh, a functioning church member, the first message that we talked about, we talked about connectivity, how we're connected together just like a body and we're supposed to perform ministry together. Uh, then we talked about being a unifying church member, and uh, some ways to do that is to take some steps of love and steps of responsibility and uh, steps of protection and steps of forgiveness. And then last week on the unselfish church member, uh, we found out that we're not our own. Uh, Jesus bought and paid for us with a price with his own shed blood. Uh, and since we're not our own, that means we belong to him. We're his servants, and that also tells us that that means it's not about us. As we think about being a praying church member uh, today, the, the Bible clearly calls us to prayer. And, and there are a lot of aspects of, of prayer that um, I wanted to cover just kind of briefly with you because there's a specific thing that we'll be talking about most of the service uh, based on the book by Tom Rainer uh, about prayer. But when you think about praying, we need to understand that praying is a whole lot more than just when we show up at church. Because if we just pray when we show up at church, we're, we're missing really the point of what prayer ought to be about. Uh, prayer uh, in, involves a, a whole lot more than just our want list uh, or our need list, whatever we think it might be, to where we're just going to come up with a long list and, uh, and call it out to God. Uh, no matter how long of a list you might have, if, if your prayer life only involves praying over things you think you want or need 
or maybe even something you think somebody else wants or needs in their life, if that's all your prayer life is, then it'll be pretty shallow and pretty short, uh, no matter how long your list might be. I, I think when we look at some of the prayers model for us in the Bible, uh, we'd have to start out and recognize that as we pray, that ought to be an act of worship. I mean, Jesus even said that we're to pray like this, how you know, how it be your name. <laughs> so, so we're to be worshiping Him as as we pray. Uh, we also ought to, of course, pray for each other. It's okay to pray for yourself. God wants you to bring those petitions to Him. But I, I think strategically, we need to learn how to pray what God's will is. And, and even in that prayer that Jesus modeled for us, he, you know, he said uh, that we're praying for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a pretty significant request if you think about it because there's not one time in heaven that His will's not being done. And we're to be praying in that way for God's will to be done here on the earth. So a lot of aspects to prayer that I, that I want you to recognize that that can make your prayer life a, a, a lot deeper than just a list of, of wants or needs. One thing that helps, I, I found, is to pray over Scripture. If you need something to pray, pull the Bible out, and you can literally find things to pray as you're reading in the Bible. I heard someone say this years ago, it's not original with me, but if you want to really, really expand your prayer life, you need to get to the point in your prayer life that as you pray, you begin to want something for God. Because if, if in your heart you're wanting something for God, it's not about you. It's not just about your want. It's not just about your needs. And if you begin to really want something for God as you pray, I think that will change our whole focus as, as we pray. So I was reading uh, this chapter in the book by Tom Rainer that our small groups are using, and I think probably a lot of you, whether you're in a small group or not, uh, have that book. Um, I was reading it weeks ago, and I wasn't prepared for the emotions that kind of hit me on the day that I was reading this chapter about prayer. The, uh, the, the topic deals with praying for church leaders. And that is an aspect of prayer, but that's one reason I wanted to talk to you about uh, about all those other things about prayer just a moment ago, because prayer involves more than just praying for church leaders. But in this chapter this week, it talks about praying for church leaders. And Tom Rainer told a story uh, about a pastor by the name of Mike. And uh, Mike had gone to the office, uh, and he had kind of segmented off some time trying to finish the sermon for the week that day. And he sat down in his study to try and get everything finished up on the message. And then his secretary comes in and, and says they've had a call come into the church office that a family uh, in the church had been in an automobile accident. So he left his study, rushed to the hospital. When he arrived at the hospital, he found out the father of that family had been killed in the accident, had died. Uh, so he spent several hours there with that family uh, ministering to them. Uh, after he leaves, he goes home to eat a bite and then heads back to the office to try and sit down and, and, and his study and work some more on the message. And as he sits down, the secretary comes in and says, well, there are two people that have called who are waiting to talk to you. One was the worship leader in the church. He was really, really discouraged, and he took about two hours to try and encourage the worship leader. 
The second one was a strategic leader within the church who had found out that his wife was having an affair. So he spends a couple of hours talking to that leader in the church who had discovered that his wife was having an affair. After that, he's kind of so exhausted he can't study anymore, so he uh, leaves and goes back to uh, check on the family, eats a bite. He was already scheduled to have an invocation at a basketball uh, game that night, so after he's kind of done and finished with his day, he goes home and goes into his small study at home, and he begins to weep and cry because the man killed in the car wreck was his best friend. And, and as I read that, I wasn't prepared to feel like I felt. And I, I recognized in that story over 30 years of ministry, there's probably been a lot of times that I got so caught up in the busyness of ministering to someone else that there had been times that maybe I had failed to grieve fully myself the loss that I had had through the loss of a church member. And one of the most recent ones, and not trying to elevate his above any other, but when, when Josh Faust was killed unexpectedly, in the motorcycle accident. Even though I'm in my 50s and Josh was 28 at the time he died, we had grown really close. And it was just so surreal for me to stand in the emergency room in the hospital over his lifeless body with dirt all over him from the motorcycle wreck and to stand there with his with his family members. And over a couple of weeks, I was really, really tied up in ministering to them. And yes, I, I shed some tears during that time, but as I read this story a few weeks ago, I thought to myself, I, I, I really didn't grieve fully. And it just flooded me. And I, I probably cried for five minutes just weeping. It was kind of through that process I realized I, I don't think I can bring the message today. And I talked to Lynn Crump a few weeks ago. Uh, we're trying to confuse everyone. I'm Lynn, he's Lynn, okay? Uh, and I told him I didn't know. And then this past Monday, I kind of found out, no, I, I can't be the one that necessarily brings the message today. So I asked him if he'd be willing to do that. So he's going to come up and share some scripture with you and walk us through some things. And uh, if you would welcome Lynn. Lynn, I appreciate you being willing to do that. So give Lynn a welcome as though. You may want to hold that till we're done. <laughs> uh, as Pastor Lynn said, my name is uh, Lynn Crump, and I am a church member. Um <clears throat> And also, as Lynn said, uh, he told me last Monday, asked me last Monday if I would do this, so give just a few days to prepare. You know, when I was reading ahead, uh, I also lead a, uh, sorry to say a small group, but it's now a, thank you, life group. I had to look at my wife, see what the name of it was. I also lead a life groups, which uh, I, enjoy, I enjoy leading small groups because it forces me to get into the Word and study, so I have to read a little bit ahead. So when I read the, the chapter on, uh, on prayer, and I read through the story that, that Pastor Lynn had shared 
and see some, through some things uh, I, I knew Pastor Lynn wasn't going to be able to share. Um, first of all, I knew some of the pain and some of the suffering that he had went through, not only with Josh Faust, but with other losses within our church. Uh, but also, I just knew his humble heart, and I knew that he would not be able to get in front of you and be able to ask you that you need to pray for him or need to pray for the other pastor of the church. It's just not in his spirit. It's not in his heart. So I knew that, so he called me to ask me to do that. So uh, <clears throat> for those of you who don't know, uh, I've known Pastor Lynn and Pastor Darrell. Uh, Pastor Darrell actually longer than that. Pastor Darrell and I went to, went to school together, all the way through school, graduated together, coached baseball together. So I've known Pastor Darrell for years, but also Pastor Lynn. I served in a, another church, uh, not served, I served as a volunteer, not as a pastor, but I, I served <clears throat> helping out with youth uh, with another church that was very close to, to where Pastor Lynn and Pastor Darrell was at. So I, I became very, very good friends with them. Uh, we served in a lot of uh, community, uh, committees together and stuff, so... Uh, became very good friends with both of them, and, and actually became, I had a lot of respect for both of them. Um, <clears throat> there was a day, and, and I don't know if you ever have these life experiences where y'all can remember the day, exactly where I was at, exactly the conversation that went on, but there was a conversation that I had, it was at Owen Superette, uh, gas pump number two, which is a pump, there's three pumps, there was a pump there in the center. Uh, I was sitting there pumping gas, and Pastor Lynn po- uh, pulled up, in, and as those of you know, who know Pastor Lynn, he wanted to talk a little bit. So uh, <clears throat> he began to explain to me how God had laid on his heart the vision, basically, of day three. And this was 12 years ago. So he began to tell me about the, the vision that he had of building and of reaching out to a community, a lost community, about doing that through different methodologies than, than was out there at that time by going out and reaching those who probably standard traditional churches would not reach to give them an avenue to be able to come to church. And it just happened that that was the same burden that God was laying on my heart, but I didn't have an avenue for that. So, you know, Angie and I went home and told Angie about it, and then we prayed about it, and then I called uh, Pastor Darrell and asked Darrell if he would come to the house and unveil to me kind of what they were really thinking. So as the process went on, Angie and I, began to pray and just felt like God was leading us to maybe step out from where we were going to church. And this was a church, basically, that Angie's, Angie grew up in. It was her home, her family church. Uh, not a fun day to go to a church where you were very active and to, to be, tell the church leaders, you know, I think I'm being led to go somewhere else. Uh, thank goodness they were very godly people. Matter of fact, the pastor was Pastor Dwayne Kirkendall that's here, uh, that was here last week. But they were very understanding and supported us. So from that point on, <clears throat> uh, I was very humbly asked to be a part of the church leadership. So I've been able to serve along beside Pastor Lynn and Pastor Darrell uh, as some type of leadership role for the past 12 years. Uh, and quite honestly, it's a humbling experience. I don't think we get appreciation at all for the life and the challenges that are around for the pastors of our churches. Uh, I don't think we get an understanding because what we see is just a small segment you know, regrettably, even for me, a lot of times it's just on Sunday morning that we get that glimpse, or when there's tragedy happens in our family or in our home, then we get another glimpse. So <clears throat> I want to see if maybe I could kind of unveil to you just a little bit, uh, because again, I'm very good friends with Pastor Lynn, and I want to kind of unveil a little bit kind of what the life is like for Pastor Lynn, and especially for pastors. 
So if you, uh, if you look up on the screen, you'll see here, and this is, and I'd ask Pastor Lynn, again, I have to pull some misinformation because of his humble heart, but this is kind of what a typical week is for Pastor Lynn, and again, this is for all pastors. So you look, 22 hours a week, prepare for the sermon. 22 hours. That sounds like a lot, but if you look, uh, there is, this is the sermon notes, and there are four page. and by the way, if you want to look and see how long the sermon's going to be, if it's a four or five page sermon, you can kind of tell how many, how many, how long we're going to be up here. This is a four page today, but it's me talking, so it won't take long. Um, <clears throat> but it is very well, so a lot of study goes into this, and any pastor who who digs into and can discern God's word like Pastor Lynn can, 22 hours is not an overestimate. Uh, four hours for a week, both Pastor Lynn and Pastor Daryl and Pastor uh, John and Ken, all four of them lead, lead uh, life groups. I had to think of it again, so small groups, they lead life groups. So four hours a week, 10 hours per week doing some type of email or on social media or something, conversing and doing with church members. Three hours for a week researching Going out, looking at other churches. What's some civil churches to what we are? They're out there doing strategic planning. Uh, one hour a week for, for leadership meetings. Uh, six and a half hours per week here. So then you start adding this up. Start adding this up. And now we're up to 47 hours per week. So next slide. And then in addition to that, uh, there's marriage counseling that needs to be, that needs to be done. Uh, it's two or three hours. Visits to hospitals during the week. A lot of times that's off to Winston-Salem. So again, the phone call happens. And these are usually unscheduled, unplanned. Uh, conflict mediation, anytime. And again, I've been with Pastor Lynn a lot with, with uh, personal stuff, with uh, meetings and so on. The phone's ringing. There's something going on with church members in, in there and doing that. And then also for Pastor Lynn... Uh, he's also the chaplain for the Blue Knights. He's chaplain for the Law Enforcement Motorcycle Club, chaplain for the Pastor Guard Riders and Fraternal Order Police. And then he's also uh, contract, <laughs> under contract by the Baptist State Convention to help out with our church planner, uh, uh, church planning committee and went out and doing church plans. So again, this is, <clears throat> this is, again, this is not necessarily to uphold Pastor Lynn uh, but this is similar for Pastor Darrell. This is, this is all for all pastors. And we just sometimes take it for granted about the job that they have and the job that they do because, again, we only get a segment of what's in our life instead of what they're doing as a whole. But if you start adding all this up, all of a sudden you go, wow. And then, in addition to all this, they also have some home obligations. The home obligations doesn't take over. So, again, for Pastor Lynn, he's got a child who's still in college, uh, for those of you who have smaller children, you may think the difficulties and the challenges uh, will go away once your kids go off and go to college. Uh, trust me, they don't, they don't get any easier. It just gets different. Uh, the challenges and struggles are still there as a parent. Now, I think sometimes I think they're worse because you really don't, you, you lose control and, and then it's, it gets even more difficult. And then he also has two other daughters uh, and several grandkids. Again, I'm in a situation in my life where my kids are up and grown. Uh, they're still my kids. I still worry about them. Um, I still yearn to help them. They're still on my mind. And then in addition to that, Pastor Lynn has an elderly mom uh, that lives with him. It's 96 years old. Uh, so according to his genetics, he's going to be here a while. His mom's 96. So, <clears throat> but he is the caretaker for his mom. So just stop and think for just a moment of all that I have just unveiled to you. 
And I hope that answers why we're here today and the fact that Pastor Lynn would have never unveiled all this uh, and how much, how much that he needs prayer. Um, go ahead and go to the next slide. You know, one of the things I begin to think about, and by the way, I do want to let you know too, most of what I'm going to talk about from this point forward is on Pastor Lynn. Uh, please understand that this does not uh, belittle and negate anything that Pastor Darrell, Ken, and John do in this church. Uh, they are all four are a major impact. They do major work. They're very busy, very similar to Pastor Lynn. But I just simply felt like God was laying on my heart to unveil to you the leader, the pastor, the head pastor of our church. Uh, I know he's uh, under some struggles, and I'll, I'll, I'll unveil some of those <clears throat> in his personal life, uh, but also in our church because our church is undergoing now casting vision. And as you can imagine, as the head pastor of our church, it's really his responsibility to lead that team to cast vision. And uh, it's a very difficult thing because if you think about it, as we studied last week and we talked about it for the last couple of weeks, his primary place of employment, his boss is who? It's God. <laughs> you know, I, I know that God owns everything, but when I go to work, I have a gentleman that I report to who is the president of our company okay, uh, Pastor Lynn also has that person. That person be God. <laughs> so that's a very hard thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, that may make you think, wow, that's, that's a bold, that's a great thing. But then you go into Mark 9.35 and it says, if anyone wants to be first, what's he got to do? He's got to be last. <laughs> so he can't be bold. He can't raid. The pastor of the church can't do that. He's got to be a servant to everybody. So wow. So okay, I got to lead a church. I've got, I've got to do all this, but I can't be first, I've got to be last, I can't go out and do, I've got to serve. So it just puts the pastor into, in my opinion, in somewhat of an awkward situation in the fact that, wow, I've got to do all this through servanthood. I've got to do all this through serving others, not through being bold, not through being arrogant or anything else. So as we begin to look, and let's go into the chapter, if you <clears throat> look at First Timothy, First Timothy, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. This is the scripture, and hopefully you've been reading in your book. I, I just tell you, if you haven't been reading in your book, I am a church member, please do so. It, it will help you greatly. It'll help you uh, get into the sermon if you read those before you get here. So I'll read through this uh, real quickly, and then we'll kind of dissect a little bit uh, uh, about what the verses are saying. It says, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an officer, uh, an office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, to te- not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, but a, or, or not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone <clears throat> does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? He must not uh, resent... Uh, Covered, or he may be able to, or may become puffed up with conceit and fall into a condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall in disgrace into the snare of the devil. So again, as I, as I, as, as I begin to read this uh, and do this, I, quite often you've heard Pastor Lynn share about, well, when he starts studying God's word and he starts preparing, how God just really just burdens his heart. And to be quite honest with you, I had the same, had the same thing happen. You know, as I began to read this, I began to realize that I, I don't do enough prayer. I don't pray enough. And specifically, I don't do what this scripture was teaching us to do. 
So go ahead, next slide. So one of the things that, it, that, that in my opinion, it talks about here, and if you look into the first, uh, first verse here, it says, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an officer, an office of overseer, he desires a noble task. He, he, he desires to be, uh, you know, this is not a task to be taken lightly. So this is a noble task. You know, as I began to read and study on this, I began to realize that this is really, as much as I was burdened to pray for Pastor Lynn, and I think we should do that, this is also talked about an overseer, uh, an office of an overseer. This also talks about the leaders in church, and quite frankly, it talks about me. Uh, And as you'll see in the next verses coming up when we start talking about the qualifications, uh, I began began to become very humbled. You know, we are to pray for Pastor Lynn, Pastor Darrell, Pastor John, and Pastor Ken. Uh, but this also has to do with the deacons and the ministry staff of the church, too. So, again, I, I covet your prayers. We covet your prayers, uh, especially now during this time when we're trying to recast vision. So, as I began to look, I couldn't think, well, okay, God, you've cast Lynn to be the pastor of the church. Uh, Darryl, pastor Darrell, Ken, and, and John also, and some of the leaders. What are those qualifications? And to be quite honest with you, I didn't really like reading this. Uh, it wasn't a lot of fun. So, again, if you decide that, and if you are a leader among the church, I ask you to kind of read these. But regardless, be praying for the pastor and leaders of the church that they meet these qualifications. Go ahead, next slide. This is what it says in here. They must be above approach. Husband of one wife. You know, I always see the husband of one wife. For me, personally, I, I don't get the husband of... I don't... I, would never think about another wife. I can't have troubles managing the one I have. <laughs> so I can't imagine to, but anyway. Sober-minded, be self-controlled, be respectable, be hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but general, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. Take a look at the list. Is that something that you naturally do on a daily basis? It's not for me. I, I I tend to not be sober-minded. Self-control, we had a little chat about that this morning. I struggle with self-control. Respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, quarrelsome, not a lover of money. You know, as you begin to think about those, that's a humbling list. That's a list that I struggle with, you know, and it makes you think, wow, am I really, do I qualify to be a leader? Do you qualify? And the fact is, none of us qualify. The fact is, we all struggle with that, whether we're a leader or not. And the only way that the pastor and the leaders of this church will be able to even come close to meeting those is through your prayers. Okay, next slide. The next point in here is really uh, to pray for Pastor Lynn and for the leaders, but specifically Pastor Lynn on this and for his family. You know, First Timothy says, he must manage his own household well. With all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if anyone does not know how to ma- does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? So think about the pressures of being a pastor and having children. Every, if you have children, you know <laughs> children are children. Children, are, and especially when they start getting older, they have their own mind. They will do their own thing. And quite honestly. I have learned and I have watched, it doesn't matter how good of a parent you are, children will be children. 
and they're going to run off and they're going to do their own thing when they get to a certain age. But a pastor has, in my opinion, my pastor has more pressure put on him because of this, because of this, these verses. And again, kids will be kids. Now, my opinion, again, Pastor Lynn has another burden when it comes to family. And, and again, this is what I'm going to talk specifically about him. There's another verse that came to mind as I was studying this and I was thinking about Pastor Lynn. I thought about this verse, and this is in Ephesians 6, 2, 3. And this, by the way, the verse, this is written very similar throughout the Bible. It says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may, be, that you may live long in the land. So I began to think about Pastor Lynn, and I know the burdens that he has really, really faced in the last several months because of the health of his mother. You know, the Bible clearly says that once you move out, you still honor your mother and father, Brittany. So <laughs> she does a good job of that. Uh, <clears throat> you know, that doesn't, for those of you who have elderly parents, the Bible never releases us from honoring our parents. The Bible never releases us from respecting. Our, our Bible never releases us from caring for them. Our Bible never releases us from doing that. So... Pastor Lynn is really in a predicament because he is in a situation, for those of you who don't know, he's in a situation where he has a mother that is at home living with him that is absolutely draining him of his energy and of his mental capacity. And it is because he is fulfilling God's command to honor your mother and father. So I just ask that you specifically pray for him. And her health has been changing in the last couple weeks uh, as you can imagine, she's 96 years old. Uh, she's not as sharp as she used to be, even though at 96 she's doing really well. But again, that is a demanding thing when you have taken the bond and you have decided that I am not going to place her in a home, that I'm going to put her and I'm going to care for her. And that is a major burden for someone. And then in addition to, if you think about all the, all the duties that I'd laid out before on top of all that, because that didn't stop. He being the pastor of our church doesn't stop. So again, I just ask that you really, really do pray for him and pray specific for him in the situation with his mom. Uh, again, over the last several weeks, uh, it's, it has become much, much more of a challenge. The last section that I saw in here, and this is really where it began to hit home for me, and I really just didn't catch all this. It says, <clears throat> moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil. You know, it's not real difficult for a pastor, in my opinion, to be well thought of by his congregation. Uh, you know, I think about uh, the pastor of, of Mount Zion. You know, I'll go ahead and speak the church. They just assigned Pastor Walker, who was a pastor who is the most nurturing pastor that I've ever seen. He was actually the pastor when I was there earlier. Where they, he, he left, went out, did start his own ministry. He came back in that church and just loves Pastor Walker. And the reason why, because he is such a servant to his people. In my opinion, on a, on, a, on a pastor's basis, it's not real, it is hard, I'm not belittling. It's not hard to be liked by those that you are serving. But the Bible doesn't stop there, of course. <laughs> the Bible doesn't start there. So Pastor Lynn, in addition to being well thought of by, by, by the people within our church, by Christians that he's nurturing and shepherding, He's always got to be aware that, there, that he's got to be taking care of the non-believers. It says so in Colossians, it says, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best of the time, 
Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So in addition with our pastors and our leaders, specifically Pastor Lynn, not only when they converse and they interact with you, wow, they've got to be conscious of when that person pulls out in front of them in traffic. They've got to be conscious when the person steals their parking place. They've got to be conscious when that person does something to them that, that on the outside is the non-believer of, of, of what their speech is. And they're, they're always seasoned with salt. And they're always, and wow, can you imagine? Constantly, 24 hours a day, I've got to be conscious of that. Again, uh, boy, do I ever need your prayers on that one. <laughs> Again, the only way you'll be able to do that is, to, is through prayer. So I just ask that you pray, again, when it comes to dealing with people outside the church, to continue to pray for that. The last one here is avoid the devil's snares. I didn't really grasp the concept of this until I started digging, started researching a little bit. But if you think about a snare comes in, you know, a snare is the rope with a hoop that you kind of bait up and an animal comes in and wham, you got it, it's a snare. If you think about the concept of a snare, a snare is not something that's blatantly obvious. You walk around the woods and say, ah, there's a snare, whoa, over there. You know, an animal will walk around it because it's blatantly obvious. What a good hunter does with a snare is it's well hidden, correct? You you don't see it because it is just a single rope. And normally what you do is put something appetizing around that. So, you know, if you're hunting for some type of animal that's a meat eater, You'll put meat down under here to make it very appetizing, to make it very much where they want to go and grab and get under that uh, and to make it very, very appealing. And that's the same thing that Jesus was warning about in the Scripture, that the devil has snares out there, that he has things out there that look very, very attractive on the outside. They look very much like it's something, wow, this is something that looks very, very good. Let's head down that path. Well, lo and behold, before you know it, it's the devil's snare, and he's got you. So as I began to read this, I began to apply that and think about, wow, what about the pastor's life? You know, he's, he's got these qualifications that he's got to deal with. He's got all this time, all these commitments. He's moving forward. We're casting vision of the church. We're trying to move forward, but stop for just a second and think. The devil's putting some snares out there. The devil is putting some traps out there. And by the way, those traps can look very attractive. Those traps can be things that he knows specifically what Pastor Lynn desires, maybe not in his, in his spiritual heart, but he knows what his desires are. We all have external desires. He knows what those are. The devil does. And he specifically, he is putting those traps out there, those snares out there. And that is not something that anyone wants to tackle alone. But that's something that he's desperately, we all desperately need your help. There's no way that Pastor Lynn, Pastor Darrell, John, Ken, any of the church leaders, there's no way that, we, that they can do the, God, the job that God has called them to do without your prayers. In your updates, there is a card in your updates. And if you look at that card... Uh, it, it is a commitment card that specifically talks about committing to prayer. I ask that you take a look at that and that you take some time to t- maybe make some serious commitment 
toward praying for Pastor Lynn specifically and also for our church leaders. Next slide. What's the next slide? <clears throat> the next thing I really want to do, and I just felt like God was laying, uh, laying on my heart to, I want to take some time to really pray for Pastor Lynn. Again, I've had the privilege of serving with him, for him, in some type of role for the past 12 years. And quite honestly, people, I've not seen him struggle like he struggled in the last month. <clears throat> Those struggles have come about. He shared a little bit about that this morning, about his lack of being able to mourn, not only for Josh, but for others. Um, there has been a couple key people who have left our church and have decided to do a thing, which is fine. That happens, and it happens all the time. But for whatever reason, Pastor... Lynn has taken that as he would because it's his heart personally. Our church is in the midst of putting together vision. I think it's a great thing. I think it's something that's, that needs to be done. I think it's something that's exciting. But again, that's pressure. And then again for Pastor Lynn, he's, he's, he's got a 96-year-old mom at home uh, that's absolutely draining, as I can see it, is draining the ever-living energy out of him. So I'm going to ask Pastor Lynn to come down to the front. Um, and I, what I want us to do, I just want us to gather around him. For those of you who feel led, just to come down and we'll pray for him. So if you'll come down. I've asked a couple to read it. And this is really what I want us to pray about. I've got a couple people who will lead in this prayer. To really to pray that he'll be aware of the biblical qualifications of a church leader. And he'll be able to meet those. Pray for his family and this is situation with his mom. And also to pray for his protection. Remember, that devil's snare is there. And the pastor talked to me about that. Oh my gosh, what, you know, as we're casting vision, as we're moving forward, the devil is making some very attractive snares out there for him. So before we get started, I think Mike's got a couple things he wants to, to say right quick. And then he's going to start us with a prayer. I think John's going to lead with a the family. Then I'll close with prayer. Hang on a second. Uh, one thing I've been kind of led to, when I read this part of the book, I, I was thinking about Pastor Lynn, and I was thinking about the fact that one of his greatest qualities is his transparency. He, he gets on stage, and he shows his weaknesses, which you will very rarely see in a church atmosphere, because a lot of times the church, the body of the church, will use those things against the pastor. And Pastor Lynn is very good at that and very good at, at showing us that, you know, he's human. He's just like us. He's not on no pedestal above us. So, you know, when those times come and you're having a problem with whether it's something that Pastor Lynn said or something that's happened in the church, and you decide that, you know, maybe this ain't the right place for you, it, it might just be worthwhile for you to... Maybe go talk to him, go, uh, go see what's going on, because there may be a little more to it. Um, so I'd just like to say that, and then I ain't going to be able to use that. Let us pray. Dear, kind, and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I, we ask humbly, bowing before you, Lord, we ask that you be with Pastor Lynn and all of the pastors of this church, but be with them, put a hedge around them, Lord, for the snares that are out there in this world. 
that are, that are there to help them stumble. Uh, we know that the, the flesh of the human uh, is, is such that we go in directions sometimes that we shouldn't go, Lord. But I ask that you, you just be with him and be with the other pastors and watch over them and just help them, Lord, and help the body, help us, Lord, to do what we need to do and help him. Father, I thank you for Lynn, and I thank you for uh, Daryl and Ken and uh, the rest of these guys that serve on the leadership of the church. And Father, I pray for um, I pray for his marriage, Lord, that you would um, keep his uh, relationship with his wife strong. Uh, Father, that uh, that you. That you would help them to uh, see the uh, the snare of offense that the devil would lay out in front of us. Um, how easy it is to get offended with the people we love the most. I pray, Lord, you'd protect uh, protect them from that, um, and Lord, that you would uh, uh, just continue to to work in their marriage in such a way that that. Uh, um, that that what others see in in them and in their life together is uh, an even greater example of Christ and the gospel than either one of them could manage to represent alone. Uh, we pray for their children, Lord, um, as Jared's away in college, that you would help him to make wise decisions, to remember the things that par- his parents have taught him, and uh, Father, to uh, uh, to seek after your will and your glory. And, uh, Father, we pray for his daughters as well as they go through life um, and deal with decisions, Father, that you would um, help, help them and their families to, to uh, recall the, the things that, that Lynn and Becky have taught to them, the things of God that uh, they should build their lives on. We pray for their grandchildren, Lord, that you would uh, give them a, a great legacy of of those who who fear your name, um, and uh, Father, that uh, that in every way possible, uh, in spite of the failures and shortcomings of of each of them as human beings, that uh, every day your light would shine more and more gloriously through them, and uh, Father, that you would keep their family strong and protect them. And we pray, Lord, for his mom as well, uh, that you would. Uh, that you would be with her and give her strength uh, and, and endurance and patience. And, Father, that you would uh, um, give Lynn the, uh, uh, the grace and the, um, and the sensitivity that he needs uh, to be there for her during this time, and recalling that she was there for him when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, Father, we, we love them. And we ask your blessings over their whole family in Jesus' name. Father God, we just uh, come to you, God, just thanking you for this church. God, I just thank you for the vision that you put on to Lynn and Daryl. And God, I just thank you for their willingness to serve you, to willingness to step out. And God, I just pray that you would be with Pastor Lynn. I just pray that, God, as we read over all the qualifications and all the commitments and all the things that you've asked him to do, God, I just pray for his energy. I just pray for his heart. 
But more importantly, God, I just pray that he would look solely to you and that you would unveil to him what purpose that you've laid for his heart and the purpose that you've laid for day three, and that he would clearly see that, God, and then that he would chase after that with a passion, uh, God, a passion for you, and then, God, us as the church leaders, God, that we would again see that and we would have this uh, vision that you've laid out for this church that we would, God, that we would just fulfill that and that you and you alone, God, would be glorified through all that. Again, God, we just pray for Pastor Lynn, Pastor Darrell, and John, and Ken. Uh, God, just continue to be with all of us who have, uh, who have volunteered to, make, uh, to be leaders within this church, that we would just, again, God, just chase after you. God, again, just be with Pastor Lynn this week. Just give him the comfort, give him the rest uh, that he needs. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you all. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.